Hey, what's happening, everybody? I'm Larry Roberts, and this is another episode of the Readily Random Podcast. Hey, you could be larger than life, bigger than the world, living out the hopes and dreams of every boy and every girl. You could find we are living out the hopes and dreams of every boy and girl on every episode of the Readily Random Podcast. And today, man, this is episode three of our third visit to the Podmax Studios and uh, taking part in Podmax Global. So very, very excited to be here. And for our third interview of the day, I'm guessing we saved the best for last. That's I'm going to put a little pressure on him. I'm going to put just a little bit of pressure, but I think he's felt some pressure before. So uh, his name is John Paul, and he is a real estate investor, entrepreneur, and active military. First and foremost, sir, thank you for your service. Absolutely. It's uh, my pleasure. And uh, thanks for uh, having me on. Uh, I'm excited. You know, we were making a big deal out of it a minute ago that we are in breakout room number one. So that means we are going to have the number one conversation, which is also going to be probably the most fun as well. John, tell us more about your backstory there, brother. You're active military. What branch are you in? I've been in the Coast Guard for 20 years. I'm actually about to round out my uh, my active duty fulfillment. I'm about to fulfill it, and I've got about six months left, and then I get to. I'm a free bird, dude. I'll be able to be out on the uh, the open market, and uh, the world is my oyster. So I grew up in Florida until I was about 16, and uh, then my parents lost the house, and so we had to we had to move from Florida to Dallas, Texas, where my dad was uh, chasing chasing. Uh, he was doing on location catering. Uh, he ended up getting a job in the 96 Olympics. And then from there, uh, went to Dallas to do some on location catering. So for the movie, doing like all the, the uh, food prep and stuff like that. So we were there for a couple of years. I got ran out of town. I was, uh, I was a really bad kid, a really, really bad kid. I mean, ADHD, like, you know, I mean, you name it, like everything, Dennis, the menace, like, if you've ever seen Dennis, the menace, I was that kid growing up. I don't know how your listeners are, but if you're not old enough to know who Dennis the Menace is, then uh, go Google it. And it's actually, uh, it's quite comical to see, you know, where I was as a kid and to listen to what people used to tell me who I was and what I wasn't going to be to see where I've ended up today. You know, 20 years of service, founder of five businesses and just a, a very beautiful family. You know, it's, it's funny though. I, I think us kids, because <laughs> I was the same way growing up, I, I think those that have really maybe even the hardest time focusing as a kid, you've got all this energy, you have a ton of creativity, and you're chasing that instead of maybe paying attention to Mrs. Smith's English class there in sixth grade or something, who knows. But I think that creativity, once it's harnessed and once it's channeled properly, can lead to great things like you've accomplished. Yeah, 100%. I mean, that was. You know, I was 18 years old and I had the choice to continue to keep, you know, being a hoodlum and doing what I was doing, hanging out with the people that I was hanging out with or uh, make a choice and change my life. And I joined the military right after my 19th birthday, actually. And, and to your point, Larry, it's exactly what happened. You know, you, you, you surround yourself with um, people who are doing good things that can help you channel that energy. It's, uh, you know, I've actually never made this correlation before. Steve just brought it up, but you know, being able to like control my ADHD now and make it something that works to my advantage is what the military allowed me to do. It gave me a channel. Yeah. And, and that's something that 
Man, I had the hardest time focusing on until my, I don't know, early 20s even. I didn't go into the military, although it was something I wanted to do. It didn't work out. I have a massive birth defect that uh, got in the way of, of certain things. But, you know, it's interesting. And I use that same birth defect to motivate me to not let it get in the way of other things as well. So we each have our own moments of our opportunities to focus that energy and even that ability to maybe be distracted in the at the worst moments. But once we establish that discipline and once we can channel that that that, that laser-like energy, great things can come of that. Joining the military is something that I think a lot of people could benefit from. And to do it all the way through to round out your 20-year career, that's amazing. And now you have the rest of your life, essentially, to do whatever you want to do. And you haven't waited to that point. You built five, five, five businesses. Now, do you still have all five or did you have exit strategies? How did all that work? Yeah, so I, I just want to comment on something that you just sure. said that I think that everybody could benefit from the military. So during the military, uh, my military career, I had the opportunity to become a uh, what they call a recruit company commander, which is like a drill instructor for uh, for the Coast Guard. And through that, tell me if you've heard this. This generation is the worst generation. They're so lazy. They're millennials. They don't know this. They don't know that, right? Sure. Well, I would imagine that your parents said the same thing about you and their parents said the same thing about them. And we say the same thing about this generation. But I had the unique opportunity to be able to see these young men and women come in the Coast Guard, some straight out of high school, some from prior service, other uh, military services, and some from college. And I got to tell you, man, like, I think everybody should go from high school to the military, just boot camp, dude. Just go to boot camp so you can <laughs> learn time discipline, initiative, get some confidence, uh, have some conviction in what you're doing. Because, you know, I would see these kids, they would come in, they wouldn't know how to shave their face or wipe their butt. And by the end of it, they were standing there with confidence, conviction, knew how to shave, they knew how to wipe their butt and not put at the same time, you know? So... <laughs> It was, uh, it was a great thing to be a part of. So I, I agree with you. I think the military is a great thing for everybody just to build that up. And then, you know, while I was there, that becoming a company commander for the Coast Guard, Larry, is like something that only 1%, actually less than 1% of anybody in the Coast Guard has ever achieved. Wow. It's such a small group of people and it's so hard to get. And it was that moment that really defined my life and who I really realized I could be. Cause I mean, going back to, I told you I was a bad kid, man, like back in fourth grade, I remember sitting in my principal's office, like I normally did. And this time was a little different because my mom and dad came in. And so it was a little more serious. And I, I was sitting across from the principal. It was me, my dad, who was about, he's my stepfather, 400 pound, stepfather and my mom and the principal begins to tell me or tell my, my parents that I was a troublemaker. I was never going to amount to anything and that I was going to end up in jail. Like I'm an, I'm 10 years old, dude. And he told my parents I was going to end up in jail. <laughs> my mom lost every bit of decency she had and launched out of the chair, almost made it over the desk until my father put his hand out and grabbed her and pulled her back and saved the principal's life. And now fast forward 25 years to my military career and, and having the opportunity to do what I do. That's why I think that, you know, I, those five businesses that I've created came from that one moment, that defining moment that I can be 
more than what people were telling me I could or couldn't be. So in the military, on top of that, dude, like to understand systems and checklists and discipline, that's what it takes to be a, a successful entrepreneur. You got to be able to hold yourself accountable for sure. And and that's something that we don't see. And it's not just this generation, although I, I will definitely continue to rag on this generation. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, it's, you know, it's not something that a lot of people are very good at. Taking accountability for your own actions or lack of actions more often than not as adults is a very, very difficult lesson to learn. If you look at what's happening in America today, uh, there was a tragedy that took place uh, last week with some peaceful protesters up in, I believe it was, was, it, was it Portland, I, I believe is where it took place. And they pulled a gentleman out of his truck and, and knocked him around a bit and he passed away. And the gentleman that did it, I'm still using gentleman very loosely there, says that uh, I may be fa facing murder charges now because I uh, fought a racist. All I did was fight him. Bro, you killed him. OK, and I'm not taking political sides here or anything like that. My point is, is that he even took a life, yet he's still making excuses for it. It's someone else's fault for his own actions. And it's it's so prevalent everywhere in all acts of life that no one wants to take accountability for their actions. And I think if anybody that's out there that's struggling could learn that lesson, I think they'd see dramatic improvements in a very, very short amount of time. Yeah, it's a tough lesson to learn. I mean, as an adult, it's probably tougher. And if you haven't heard it since you've been a kid, like if you haven't been taught that, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm struggling right now. I've got twin girls that are 10 years old and I've got my one twin. She's like, uh, I tried. That's exactly what I say to her every time. She's like, oh, she's making me mad. I'm like, yeah, but it's your choice how you choose to react to it. You have to be responsible for your actions, not what they made you do. That's up to you. And so it's been a very, very challenging. Uh, it's definitely given me a lot to try to work on different angles, to try to approach it, you know, raising my voice, not raising my voice, coming in gently, trying to use, you know, third party. And I can't imagine if you didn't learn that as a child, trying to learn that as an adult was going to, I mean, people, we're, we're stubborn as adults, you know? Right. Of course. And, you know, I'll be honest, I probably didn't learn it until what am I, da, 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 20 years ago, I was in my mid to late 20s before I really started, and actually in my early 30s before I really started realizing the impact of taking that self-assessment and going, oh, I'm reacting this way, or I'm allowing this to control my emotions, or I'm saying that I'm allowing it to control my emotions, but really I'm just not controlling my emotions is what it amounts to. And as I learned those lessons, you know, it's so weird that my marriage got so much better. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. And now just yesterday, what is the 21st? I'm sorry, just two days ago was my 19th wedding anniversary. That's and awesome. uh, thank you so very much. I can assure you we would have never made that milestone had both of us not learned that very valuable lesson and started doing a little self-inventory and going, look, we're coming up short here. Let's both work on ourselves and make those necessary improvements. And man, our relationship went next level just like that. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. It doesn't happen overnight. Well, actually, let me take that back. 
there, there can be a moment in your life that is significant enough that if you attach that type of emotion to it, that it could be an overnight type of realization, but not to get to the solution. <laughs> it was pretty overnight for us, honestly. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I don't even know if I've ever told this story on a podcast, but we just heard we just heard from Jordan Harbinger about uh, storytelling. So. Uh, I'm not going to get into all the specifics, but we were at an after party. What do you call it after a wedding? You go to the after party and you hang yeah, out. The ceremony or the, the reception. Uh, there we go. That got me. We did the reception. Things went fine. We went to the after party after the reception, right? And there may have been some some adult beverages involved. And uh, there was the perception that old Lair kind of had the eye for another lady, right? And like I was supposed to be flirting. My wife, she got sick of it at the time. She jumped up and ran out of the hotel room where we were partying. Not just her and I. There was a lot of people in this room. <laughs> but uh, she, she she takes off, and uh, I go to chase her down the hallway, and I reach out to grab her arm and go, hey. And she had taken her high heels off, right, so she could walk faster to the elevator. And she swung around, and she caught me right here, right? I mean, just missed the tear duct the whole nine yards. It gave me a third nostril is basically what it amounts to. Oh. Gosh. Now, she's usually not the violent type, but I hadn't received that kind of injury in God knows how long. She went home with someone else that night. Some friends of ours got her and took the, took her to their house, and uh, I went back to our, uh, our, our apartment at the time. And I didn't clean up or nothing. I just passed out. You know, and I'm all, I wake up the next morning bloody and battered, and uh, I call her over to our friend's house, and I go, dude, last night really kind of sucked. She goes, yeah, it definitely did, but you made me do it. And I go, no, no, I didn't make you do anything. You, you know, you kind of hit me in the face. And she goes, yeah, I guess you're right. I shouldn't have reacted that way. And I said, all right, so here's the scene. Are we going to keep doing this? Are we going to keep throwing down like this and getting aggressive and yelling and screaming and punching holes in the walls and just acting stupid? Are we going to do that? Or are we just going to, you know, and, and, and or are we going to call this? And she goes, well, I don't want to call it, but I don't do that either. You know, I don't want to I don't want to fight like this anymore. So we made the yeah. commitment that night, that day, not that night. <laughs> that night was a little different. But that next day, we made that commitment to each other to do that self-inventory and move forward together in our efforts to improve ourselves as well as improve our lives together. And once you start doing that, things start to change. You know, things start to evolve. Uh, again, it's it's something that I think everyone needs to do at some point in time to see the improvements that they want to see in their lives. Yeah, I mean, you hear about all the time awareness, right? Like awareness is the first step. And, and I would say that you guys are absolutely lucky for what you went through because you did it together. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was lucky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm lucky so, I'm not wearing an eye patch talking to you like a horror mighty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how I'm lucky, I'll tell you that. Yeah. But anyways. Right. And you look back on it and you're like, you know, maybe you didn't feel lucky at the time, but you know, you're lucky to have gone through it together because now it means so much more for both of you guys to, you know, progress along in that, you know, the better of your of your relationship. And so I think that that's um, you know, that's powerful. I've done it in my relationship. I mean I went sober at the beginning of the year uh, because uh, we went to D.C. for uh, for Christmas. This past uh, Christmas before coronavirus, we went up there with a couple of friends. Had a great time in D.C. We, we went and saw the sights and we came back. And, uh, you know, what better way to celebrate an awesome day than to have an even better night uh, with our friends? And we all had our family there. Uh, it got a little out of control. 
I was, um, and I was the one who was out of control. And, uh, I ended up wrestling my son that night. Uh, he's 16, uh, kind of a big boy, you know, a little bit taller than me. And uh, it was the first time that, um, I think that I saw something in his eye that, you know, he looked at me a lot differently after, after what happened, you know, we had, you know, we got into a wrestling match and he was asking me to stop and I wouldn't stop. And I kept pinning him down and, you know, he fought back and he gave me hell. I woke up the next day. I had raspberries all over my knees, all over my, all over my elbows. And, uh, I was actually kind of proud of him, but I, I wasn't proud of myself. I could just tell that my wife was extremely disappointed. My son didn't look at me the way that he normally does that day. And it was that moment where I realized, like, I mean, I already knew, but just something there was just like, man, I have a 16-year-old, very impressionable son who was almost of drinking age or is, at least has enough freedom to go out there and be away from me and make choices. And here I am setting that example for him. And so that was enough for me to take an inventory of myself and then sober up at the beginning of the year. And just really kind of make it a point to like over overcompensate for that dumb mistake I made with my son with him for the for the next couple of months. So, I mean, those uh, those those moments like that there are low, but sometimes it's what we need, you know, for us to become better. Sure. Definitely, definitely. You know, it's and I was talking to Justin. I have a hard time saying his last name. He's part of Podmax as well. And uh, just earlier today, and we talked about uh, how we evolve and we have to become. We have to put ourselves in a position that's uncomfortable to see that evolutionary process take place. And that's exactly what it sounds like happened with you and your son is you end up going to a pretty uncomfortable place when when things calm down and you started reevaluating things. But it was a lesson that you learned and you've taken with you for the entire year. And I'm sure it's made you and your son's relationship even stronger in the long run. But it took that uncomfortable moment for you to realize, oh, Oh, I might have stepped out of line there. Yeah, absolutely. And I wish that I could sit here and tell you um, with a proud uh, tone that I'm still sober, but I'm not. I think it, it was, uh, I, I went three years being sober. Uh, and then I went, dude, and actually, all right, can we just say six months of soberness during coronavirus is probably the same as six years <laughs> of soberness? I mean, I was like, come on, I picked the wrong month the wrong year to try to become sober. I made it all the way until about uh, June. Uh, yeah, it was like June or July. And I was just like, man, this is, I, I'm, I'm dying over here. It's summertime. I'm stuck. I'm like, this is crazy. So not, not a proud moment, but um, you know, we're creatures, you know, we make mistakes dude. and I'm, I'm definitely under more under control now of that than I am. I'm way more aware of when my son is around and what I'm doing uh, when he's around. So I'm thankful for that. Golly, man, sober in 2020 to start being sober in 2020. Come on. I got sober about seven years ago. And honestly, no, I can't imagine being sober in 2020 if I wasn't already. It is you got every reason in the world. If you're going to make an excuse and jump back on the on, on the you know jump off the wagon. This is the year to do it, brother. I mean, <laughs> it's just, yeah. it's so, t you know, and if I didn't have my monsters, I'll be honest, you know, and they don't sponsor my show. I wish they did. That, that'd be kind of cool. I could use some free ones because I drink a lot of them. But <laughs> I think I've seen, is that your third? At, at, uh, today, this is my third. Yeah, but there'll be a fourth, I promise. Yeah, I was. Uh, we just ran out of coffee last night. I went down to go grab my two o'clock coffee, and there's no coffee. I'm like, oh man, I'm getting. I saw you drinking your monsters, and I'm like, 
I'm going to be on the show with Larry Roberts. This dude was drinking a monster at nine o'clock this morning. I got to get my energy up. Uh, I don't have my coffee, so I'm just trying to bring it naturally. It's all right, man. I'm hyper as it is regardless. You know, when I did get sober, I went on a ton of medication and the medication kind of drags me down a little bit. You know, it kind of makes me a little lackadaisical and it makes me fat, as you can tell by the video. I didn't used to be fat until I got sober. But yeah, I got to have the monsters to kind of counteract that and just kind of provide that that balance. But I, I do about four a day, uh, every day. Yeah, I'll probably die in the next year or two. But it, for right now, it feels great. <laughs> so, Larry, you're still you're still taking the medicine right now. Say that again. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's kind of interesting that you bring that up because I, I've I I take or I took it was up near forty pills a day because the pain is extreme. I did a lot of damage before I got sober. And I put my body through hell for 20 some odd years doing martial arts and trying to be a tough guy and kicking and punching people and all that kind of crap. And uh, my body is a little angry about it now, right? I'm 48 now. So things are starting to break. And <laughs> so I, I didn't feel it as much when I would drink, you know, I mean, what do you feel? You don't feel anything. It's, you're pain free. Yeah. So I took a whole lot of stuff there, but I have slowly over the past probably two months been weaning myself off of just about everything. And I'm only down to three medications now. So I'm pretty stoked about that. Uh, and, and I plan on coming off of those as well. So I think that uh, yeah. I think the, the, the sobriety industry is a, an industry that gets you sober from whatever you're addicted to. But then they they manage your addiction with something else. Yeah. And I'm sick of yeah. it. I'm sick of it. I'm not doing it no more. So uh, I've asked to come off of them a couple of years in a row now. And the doc's like, well, no, Larry, you're doing so good that we probably just ought to leave you there. No, I'm not doing it now. So my wife got sick of it. I got sick of it. And she's helping me. And it's it's a beautiful thing. So here in the next couple of months, I'll be scot-free. Embrace it. That's good for you. Good for you, Larry. Congrats. Right on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But this isn't about me. This is about you. So let's learn more about some of your entrepreneurial endeavors. Talk to us about being an entrepreneur and these five businesses and all this other cool stuff that you've done. So it all really kind of started uh, back in 2016. Uh, it was one of those things like I didn't even anticipate like being an entrepreneur wasn't something that I think was on my brain. I'm like, I'm going to go out and be an entrepreneur. It didn't happen that way. It was... It just happened by, uh, you know, by accident because I was driving on my way to work. And this was when I was a drill instructor. So we were working 90 hours a week. We would wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning, uh, get the recruits up, and then put them to bed at 10 o'clock at night. And I live right off the base. I mean, literally, I could probably, almost from my house, you know, throw something at where I had to go to my office at. Uh, but it was the middle of winter and I had to drive because it was snowing because I wasn't going to walk my butt in the snow in the cold if I didn't have to. So it was literally a one minute drive. It was the silliest thing I felt like I've ever done in my life. Uh, it was a one minute drive from my house to my, to my uh, work. During that one minute, there was about a three week period where I would turn on ESPN radio and it was the same ad Every single time it was Than Merrill from A&E's Flip This House looking for a bunch of people in this area to flip houses without any money out of your pocket. And the first couple of weeks, I just was kind of like, oh, man, this guy's on here all the time. The third week, it was just nagging. It was just like, all right, dude, this has got to stop. And the only way that I could get it to go away was like, I just got to call the number. I got to call the number and then maybe it'll go away, right? What great marketing, by the way. <laughs> so... 
I call the number. Uh, I end up signing up to go to a two-hour class. I bring my wife with me. We go to this class, and they give us a little notebook when you walk in the classroom. And I sat down, and all I was there is just just to hear what it was about. And I left after two hours with six pages worth of notes. And I, I looked at my wife, and I'm like, man, at the end, they actually pitched. They're like, hey, for $1,199, you can go to our three-day course, right? And I'm like, I don't know. It's a lot of money. And they're like, well, wait. If you act now, it's only $200. And so I looked at my wife. I'm like, hey, listen, it's either going to be the best or the worst $200 we've ever spent in our life. Uh, so we got six pages of notes for free. I said, let's give it a shot. So we walked to the back of the room. And have you ever had that feeling where someone has done a good job inspiring you to make a decision? And then when you're making the decision, you're like, dang, I think I just got dude. You're like looking around and you're like, is there a camera on me, man? Like they, they just got me, right? And I felt like that because as I'm looking out, the, like all of the other people that are walking out the door, they have their hand over their face and they're pointing like, oh, look at this sucker right here, right? So... Um, there was that moment where I kind of had to feel like I felt very low at that moment when I purchased that $200 ticket. It ended up being one of the best decisions I ever made. I ended up going to their three-day course. I ended up learning about creative financing and real estate as a vehicle to build a business and wealth and all these things that I never knew of, which again, that's just a funnel to get you into their course, which is education. It's, you know, you have live events, you have coaching. There's just so much that's involved. And so Kind of like I reason with myself, you know, um, this is actually something I, don't, I, don't, I haven't shared this with a lot of people, but in that three-day course where they're trying to get you to become a student of their program, you know, there's a significant cost, anywhere from $20,000 to $50,000 to join their course. And I never really went to college. I didn't pay for college. So I was kind of reasoning. I'm like, okay, this could be like my college, you know, I spend on college to learn about real estate and in business. So I had to go home. My wife didn't go with me. It was a free day event in Philly, which is about two hours away. So my wife didn't go with me. I had to go home and tell her that we needed to spend $35,000 to join this program. And now Larry, I don't know if you've ever been to these seminars when you're in there, you're in like this bubble of like every, you're in the trust tree, right? You're in the trust tree and, <laughs> and you know everything feels right to go home and try to transfer that energy to my wife and tell her we are going to have to liquidate the kids' college savings, uh, savings, max out our credit cards to join this program because I felt like this was exactly what we needed. Like that did that did not go. I walked in on Saturday, second day, and I'm just nodding my head like this, and she's like, "What?" I'm like, "Yep." She's like, "Yep." What? I go, "This is it." She's like, "The hell if it is it. This is not it." She goes, "We are not." spending this type of money. She goes, you said you weren't going to spend money. We're not doing this. And so I had to, I had to, I had to figure out how was I going to navigate this decision to become a, a student and start my entrepreneurial journey and get my wife on board. And so I, I had to get her okay and, and really understand like, Hey, listen, you may not under, you may not trust or believe in this system, but trust and believe in me. Me as an, as a man that's not to let you down for the last fifteen years. That's put a roof over your head. And reluctantly, uh, I, she was like, "Fine, whatever. You want to do it, go for it." And I was like, "Yes, that was it. That was all I needed." And I walked out, and I went back there, and you know, I got her signature on the piece of paper, and um, and, you know, that's when my journey started, dude. I, I became 
a student of the program and uh, I excelled uh, pretty well because of my military background, my discipline, my initiative, the ability to follow a checklist, the ability to sit in front of somebody like me and you right here, Larry, and for them to say, John Paul, you don't know anything about real estate right now, but here's what you need to do. You need to go talk to five real estate agents and tell them that your business is this, this, and this. And I, as a good soldier or sailor, I stood there and I was like, Roger that coach. And I went out there and I did it, you know, even though it was uncomfortable, it was unfamiliar, you know, I had to become something bigger than what I thought I was at that moment, you know, and it was great because I had the coaching that gave me that confidence. And so I'll stop right there. That's the beginning, right? Like that's how I got into it. I don't know if you have anything that you want to ask before I start going into a bunch of other details. No, I mean, you know, I, I can just relate, you know, but the thing that I can't relate to, man, is, is going in there and asking for 30 G's because, you know, I, I definitely believe in coaches. And I said this on an earlier podcast. I think you need to have a coach in all aspects of your life, uh, no matter what it is. If, if you're going to write a book, you get you, a, you get you an author's coach. If you're going to build a course, get you a course professional that will help you build your course. Whatever it may be, you need a coach in that arena. And you may outgrow that particular coach, but if you do outgrow that coach, you need to step up and get yourself a new coach. And we need that. And I'll tell you, I had the most expensive coach I ever even wanted to hire, who I'm thankful today I did not hire, uh, was around, I think he was like 3,900 bucks for six months. And uh, so I, I went to the wife asking for 3,900. I can't imagine. <laughs> And she about slapped me. <laughs> she about said, "Where are my high heels?" And and uh, <laughs> oh, oh no, yeah, yeah. It's like no, no, no. We don't have to do that. No, but uh, you know, she eventually came around and said yes to that. But just like you said, man, you know, when it came down to it, I was like, you know, I think this dude. There's something about this dude that's tripping me out that I don't put that faith in, and I didn't sign up for him. And now I'm so thankful uh, that I didn't. But Again, my point here is is that I can't imagine going to my wife and going, gonna need 30 G's and uh, I'm gonna learn how to flip houses. <laughs> She's gonna be like, yeah. You're out of your mind. I don't know if I can I don't know if I can make that sale. I really don't. I don't I don't, you know, so I commend your bravery <laughs> in approaching her in the first place and somehow managing to to make that sale. But you know, it sounds like you've you've you took that life changing moment and you've turned it into several profitable venues after you joined the program and after you went to school what was the first aspect of the program that you put into action what was the first thing you did as far as flipping did you go like automatically go and buy a house and start flipping and and tell us about that and this how did that experience work out for you that's uh that's a good question and that's probably naturally like you know uh, where we could go was from the, you know, from that moment of the coach telling me, go talk to a bunch of agents uh, and me just saying, you know, Roger that. And I went, I talked to a bunch of agents. I found myself one and we put in 10 offers the first day that we met and we happened to get a property under contract. I'd been in the program. I Dude, I didn't know anything about real estate up until this point. And then two weeks into the program, I'm doing what they tell me and I get a property under contract. And so then now comes the like all of the other realizations, like crap, where am I going to raise a hundred thousand dollars? 
for a house, I, you know, for, for a purchase in the rehab of a house, where am I going to find a contractor? Where? So luckily, you know, the coaching and the education, you know, it assisted me through all that. But I think a lot of determination and just sheer, like not accepting the fact that I could go back to my wife and say that I didn't, I couldn't hack it and everything's gone. You know, that was, I think the most motivating factor of all. So I got my first one. Uh, it was a disaster. I lost $12,000 on my very first deal. <laughs> But uh, in true uh, fashion, and what it did is it motivated me even more to go out and grind and get another deal. When I saw that one going south, I'm like, crap, I'm going to have to do what they call wholesaling, right? Which is, you know, basically just selling the rights to a contract to purchase the house to somebody who's willing to pay more. So I, I wholesaled two deals while that deal was going south. So this is all within the first six months of being in. And uh, I covered my losses with those two wholesales. We flipped another one. and. Eight, we did eight projects that year, which is pretty phenomenal. I mean, there's a lot of students that join the program that don't get a deal in the first two years, either because they're in a very tough market or their mindset's not right. They don't grind, you know, they're just not into it the way that they should be, or there's a lot of different reasons. So I felt completely, I felt lucky that I that I stepped into real estate in the market time and the time of the market and the location that I did. I'm right out, I'm in Atlantic City, right out, or I'm right outside of Atlantic City in New Jersey. And uh, it just happened to be there was a lot of foreclosures there, dude. And so it was like shooting fish in a barrel when it came to putting offers in and getting properties under contract. So I had a lot of great opportunity when I joined. And then second year we we doubled up. We did twenty we did twenty four deals that year in 2017. And then 2018, you know, there was this whole talk of the, the market was going to you know, crash. And so we're like, all right, let's, let's get ourselves some rental property. So that way we can have some cash flow coming in just in case, you know, we had 10 projects going at once. If the market were to crash and these 10 projects were sitting in our portfolio and they weren't done, we needed some cash flow to cover our butt to continue to keep paying for that. And so we went out and, you know, talked to our coach our education and we ended up picking up 40 rental doors uh, in 2018 which is uh quite a bit of rental doors in one year for our first year trying 2018 was great and then now come 2019 you know there's opportunity you know we we've been in long enough where we're like hey um you know we're paying for all of this social media why don't we start our own social media company and provide it to real estate entrepreneurs the way that we would want it and so we ended up doing that. We started a real. We started a social media company. It's called Social Soaring, uh, where we really focus on taking busy entrepreneur and uh, putting their social media pilot. Because uh, you know, as you may know, you know, social media is huge when it comes to building a brand and credibility. Like if anybody, dude, when I when I knew I was coming to talk to you, Larry, the first thing I did, I was like, let me look Larry up on social media, right? And I'm like, oh, okay, look, there we are. There's a podcast. There's this, and so. You know, to be able to give that to entrepreneurs uh, at an affordable rate and knowing exactly what they need was something that really kind of aligned with who I am personally. You know, the Coast Guard is like developed this very philanthropic uh, nature about me, and so you know that the the ability to be able to give back and help people was one of the reasons why we started something like that. And then another company was a skip tracing company. We're spending all this money on trying to find. Uh, homeowners contact information. You know, how do I get a hold of somebody who has a burnt house? Like I see this burnt house as I'm driving through the neighborhood. I need to call that person because I'd love to buy that house because it's been sitting there for six months. So how do I find that information? They have something it's called skip tracing. 
we spent a lot of money on skip tracing to get to talk to homeowners. So I was like, why don't we just create a skip tracing company and pay less and provide better service and better data than what we were getting at that point. So we created a company called Best Skip Tracer. So now we provide skip tracing services, social media services on top of the real estate that we're doing. So it's just, you know, I think a lot of them are just born out of we, we were getting crappy service and uh, customer service and crappy products that we felt like we could do better. That's amazing. You know, and it's, it's, it's really cool because it's all niched as well. It's all focused in one particular area, your real estate. And that just basically it complements everything. It bring it ties everything together nice and neat. And it makes it fit. And just like you said, you know, it's it's kind of cool in that you started these businesses. Now you get the service for less money, right? You're you're, you're not spending nearly as much. Now you can wholesale it, so you you get the discount, and you get to provide the service at the level that you would expect it to be if you were to purchase the services from somewhere else. And many times, you, you know, nobody does it better than you. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you know you're going to provide service at the top-notch level, and no one is going to do it better. You know, one of the things that, as you were speaking, I kept hearing, uh, we have 40 rental doors. We have uh, this company. We have this. You must have a lot of people that you deal with and tend to as employees. So... Employees is probably the wrong word. It's definitely not a word that I use in my life. I don't talk about employees because that would insinuate payroll. And I start to itch whenever I talk about <laughs> payroll. <laughs> I don't I want you. that burden, everything that comes with that. So, um, you know, I actually um, I find people that are in this space and I partner up with them. I'm very good at building businesses with systems. And so what I'll do is I'll find somebody who's passionate about this type of thing. And I say, hey, listen... I can help you. Like, I, I mean, I do like a dream thing first. Like, Hey, what is your dream? Do you want to own a company? Awesome. I can help you build a company. And I have a lot of influence in my space. That'll it's kind of a jump start to get this going. And so that's kind of what I've done is I've got a, a few people that I have partnered with. We do profit splits. And then if there's any, if there's any type of force that's needed for that, we do a lot of 1099 contractor. I, I'm telling you, dude, I am like allergic to the word payroll. And so we'll find every opportunity to uh, hire a freelancer to do this. And a lot of the time, these freelancers are um, in, in the Philippines or in Bangladesh. I mean, we have a lot of great contacts with people in, in these foreign countries that are really great at customer service and, and what they do in, as, as far as providing a product. So, and that's how you scale, right? So we take what me and this other passionate person can accomplish. We create a checklist and we say, Oh, hey, do you think that you could do this checklist and we pay them a reasonable wage? And then now we're we're left to be able to work on the business and not in the business and climb that entrepreneur ladder. So right on. Man, not employees. No, no payroll here, dude. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And you know, I we've talked about building relationships throughout the day. And I think that's another compliment to doing exactly that. Networking with a purpose, building relationships, building your network. Uh, I think I mentioned it in the entire group earlier where your network is your net worth. You know, you have these cheesy sayings, but you know what? They're really not cheesy. They're, they're, they're it's the facts. You know, it yeah. just depends on how you apply that to, to your industry. So 
Well, man, I I hate to end it on this note because we're we're rocking and rolling. We're having a great conversation, but we have to wrap this up right about now because we have our keynote speaker coming up just in a few minutes. So, John, uh, leave us your contact information, your website, all that fun stuff, so people can search more about you and and find out more about what you have to offer. Yeah, for sure. So um, I'm building a personal brand. Uh, it's just that way there's a funnel into all of the different businesses that I have, um, and I can be found. I'm working on the website right now. It should be up, but it's a uh, Inspiredable, which is basically like a mashup between inspired and able, because I want to I want to be able to inspire people and, and show them that they're able to do it. So inspiredable.com is going to be the website, and on there you'll have my my email address, my phone number, you know, and then there'll be all like the different uh, services of life from skip tracing, social media management to uh, everything else. So yeah, man, inspiredable.com is where you can find me. Very cool. So here we go, folks. John Paul has joined us. Go out there and check out his website, Inspirable, and uh, see what all he has to offer. Maybe learn a little something. I think it's great. I think what he's doing is phenomenal, and he's definitely taking the right approach by building long-lasting and long-term beneficial relationships for both parties. So I think that's great. John Paul, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, Larry, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Good talking to you, brother. All right, brother. We'll see you on the other side. 